So I should record here just in the garden? Yeah. This is such a good day to start the podcast again for 2020, season two, and it's a particular anniversary for you. Yes, 60 years this afternoon, exact time that I saw my first Osprey when I was a young warden at Loch Garten for the first year in 1960. We had to wait for another 10 days before the female turned up. And at that time, they were the only breeding pair in Britain. And that set you on a lifetime of working with ospreys. And of course, this season will be like no other before. We can record together because we live together, but you won't be going out and about as you normally do because of the restrictions. And it's going to be very challenging for you. Today, I was going to go to Loch Garten as a kind of pilgrimage and at 2.30 in the afternoon I wanted to just walk out to the old tree and have a look at it and remember 60 years before when that first osprey came in. Um, but I can see the odd osprey flying <laughs> by because they have several nests not very far from our house. Fortunately we were out earlier in the year doing some work repairing an osprey nest which was getting very dodgy and the first ospreys to nest on that were the second pair in Britain and they built that nest in 1967. In 1974 I got a phone call from the gamekeeper saying the nest is blown out and the chick is on the ground and I've collected it and I went and got it and we rebuilt that nest really well and put this chick in the nest and the parents came back and reared it and that nest platform has been there ever since. And just a few weeks ago you went out again to repair it and set it up for the next few decades with Ian Perks and Fraser Cormack. That was the start of our season and we didn't know where it was going then. Have you been up this tree before Fraser? No this is the first time I've been here and it's a cracking location. You can see the ski field, the mountains are covered in snow. If I had my binoculars I'd be being able to watch people skiing right now. There's a bit of snow on the ground, the sun's out, the woodpeckers are drumming away this morning on the trees, so that's a cracking day. Would you prefer to take a ladder or that? I I'll think take. you have a lift to that. I think I did this nest in 2008, and that's the last time we've been up there to get chicks off it, so yeah. this is kind of business as usual to a degree, but it's slightly different as much as we're using ladders, which we don't normally use to climb trees. But with this being um, a dead tree, we're going to put a ladder up to the side, which gives us access to the top to take the top off and pull it off with a rope, and then we can trim it and put the basket on the top. Hi, I'll come back and get that. Um, yeah. I came here in 1960 to Loch Garten to work with the RSPB, and then there was the one nest at Loch Garten. Its code number was A01, and this one is A02. And it first of all nested about 10 miles to the west in 1963. And then it didn't have a lot of success in the early days. And then it moved. the pair moved here in 66 and they've been here ever since. You know, different pairs, occasional years missed. Um, but it's been a very productive okay. site. <laughs> so I feel that this is a new season and it's exciting. And because I'm married to you and I see these friends come every year. And that's where the idea of the podcast came in the first place. These people coming through the house have got so many skills and so many enthusiasms, really. Everyone is so mm. excited about what they do. But does this, for you, the beginning of March, feel like that start? Very much, yeah. March is a time where we go and repair anything that's damaged. 
and, and no point in doing it in September, October because it might get damaged again. So we come around and have a look at the nest and this one has always been a kind of worry for a good number of years that would there be three young chicks in there and suddenly that tree comes down, that would have been a real loss. And then when people told us the tree is, the shore is leaning even more, you know, you feel, well, we better do something. So it's quite um, a tense time as well, because you wonder if the first osprey will get back before you've sorted out the nest. And what do they do back? This pair here are usually a late pair that don't arrive until kind of the second week of April. It would be lovely to come back and see them when the nest is, yeah. when you built the nest and they're in it. Although I know you're, you're quite superstitious, strangely, for a practical, pragmatic person. You've got this big streak of superstition, so you don't like saying that. I know that. I don't like saying they'll definitely go in that mm. nest, and, but I'm pretty sure they will. Otherwise, right. we wouldn't do it. See? <laughs> and we've had plenty of experiences over the years. In fact, we've moved nests. You know, we've moved nests from the distance here to the edge of the forest over there. Oh, right, long, long So way. we have moved nests several hundred metres or even 800 metres. And as long as you know that the, the alternative nest is in the kind of flight path of those birds. Um, see, these birds would collect sticks way over in the forest, so they would know the whole of this. Now, we're not doing that nowadays, but we did used to do it when nests were regularly robbed and we thought well you know the egg thieves know where this nest is so we'd talk to the landowner and then we'd put a new nest behind the forest maybe 500 600 700 meters away and then we'd cut down or just take away the nest in the tree that was being robbed and that was a good way of safeguarding nests and then occasionally a pair would nest in a stupid place, you know, right beside a very busy track. And in the early years, we would just move them 50 metres away from the track. So we know we can, we can do it. And then, of course, what we also did in the early years was we had the pairs breeding here and in Murray, and then we wanted them to breed in Invernessshire. And so we built nests on the Black Isle. It took them about 10 years to find the first one, but once they did, then they used the other ones. This is such a long-term policy all the way through, isn't it? You build a nest yeah. and 10 years later something happens. You have to have faith and a bit of confidence that it will go in the right direction. Yeah, you, you know that an osprey nest that is built by a pair of ospreys and then is deserted, that sometime in the future, if that nest remains, it will be taken over by another pair. So you know that the young ones are looking for these nests. And that, I think that's the real, you know, you can do monitoring and, you know, studies of birds and research, but the kind of hands-on checking nests, talking to the landowner, so you're working with local people all the time. And I think that they, they appreciate the fact that you're practical, you know, that you can come across and do this. And I know quite often people have thought, will that really work? And then in the spring, um, there they are. And they just think you're a, you're a magician. <laughs>
I don't suppose you thought when you were here in 1960 you'd still be doing this in 2020. <laughs> no. I, I don't know. I'm not sure about that because what I always thought about osprey conservation and golden eagle conservation and so on is that as well as really hard work and a feeling of achievement, it was always fun as well despite when you're totally frozen and you know it was just the privilege of being out in the countryside oh I can see a lean on the nest now um, if this nest fell down when it had eggs or young there's a season gone by and what my view has always been is that we should try to help increase the productivity and production of young for the future population at a time when the population is very low. So even though there's 300 pairs in Britain, say, 350, there should be about 2,000 pairs. Mm -hmm. So we, we still want to make certain that all these pairs have the greatest chance of producing young. In normal osprey populations, most pairs of birds take over a big old nest which has been built long before. But what had happened in Britain and good parts of Europe was that the bird was exterminated by man, killed out. So there were no nests for the young ones to come back to. And what we know is that a young pair building a nest for the first time quite often fail because the nest blows down. So when you're a young osprey looking for somewhere to breed, it's much better if there's a big secure nest. So what we're doing is making up for the fact that these ospreys have been lost for hundreds of years. Now they're, they're nearly at the nest. The last bit is a bit foggy. Okay. That's another classic sound of this podcast, us splashing through a bog at some point. But this is a bit like an historic monument, isn't it, all this barbed wire? Because you don't have right. to bother with that now. This original wire, That's... I used to go to Fort George to the army and they used to give me rolls of it. That stuff's <laughs> super strong. I've tried to cut that before and it's like... And it's uh, this is dirty. what was at the... We got the army to come from Fort George to do the Lockgarten tree. This is like a military installation, a really. So when did it stop? When did you feel safe to put a nest in as low as you have this new one? When did egg thieving stop? You know, the, the penalties got greater. There was the possibility of prison sentences. And then I think the people that used to egg collect just slowly gave up and died out and retired and uh, young people don't do it now, no. thank goodness. Nowadays, there's more chance of an osprey's egg being eaten by pine martins <laughs> than there is of being stolen by egg thieves. And uh, when I came here and found kind of hen's eggs in there... So they go to that trouble, they'd replace oh, yeah. the eggs? replace the eggs so the bird would continue sitting so you didn't think it was robbed. You look with a mirror pole and there are hen's eggs. They just feel so angry that, you know, they'd done it. And that was a wasted year for those birds. With the height and the weight of the nest and the slight lean, there's a bit of sort of thought here that, that maybe at some point the trees, the whole tree's going to topple over from the base. So we find another tree beside it, a sort of old, old gnarly dead tree with sort of 
three leaders is a beautiful wee tree actually so Ian's just just now uh, cutting one of the tops off where we could uh, fit the basket to put the nest onto and then uh, we'll have a look at the other leaders and maybe try and leave one of them as a perch for uh -huh. the ospreys. It's a very beautiful sculptural tree isn't it? It's it very is lovely actually. Shape. Ian's looking quite majestic right in there <laughs> right now with the sun sun shining on down. They're quite low so I'm surprised by how low both of them are actually. The ones that we do in Murray there a lot of them are in some very tall trees but I guess here they're they're in an open bit of bog with no other trees around about so they're still higher than everything around about and the birds will have a clear view of, of uh, any predators or anything. Yeah. Are you going to throw that over the top, Ian? Yeah, I'm going to try, yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. So you really rely on people like Ian and Fraser to, to do this. They've got such skills, haven't they? Did you do that when you were first starting out? Well, through all these years, you know, you different people are skilled at different times in their lives. So when I was young, I shinned up these trees and then over the years different people come along and help and become part of the team and then like me they get too old to climb <laughs> trees and uh, at the moment Ian and Fraser are just fantastic climbers and far better climbers than I was when I was young you know we didn't have the gear then we didn't have nylon ropes or anything and we climbed these nests, you know, bare-handed, or with a ladder. And I guess some of it was, was to be honest, a bit dodgy. It's lovely, it's handing on kind of traditions. You know, and I think when I was here first, I would have been with George Waterston, you know, who was a great, um, great ornithologist from Edinburgh who set up Operation Osprey with the RSPB when he was his director. And um, I was just a young lad and uh, extremely kind of looking back on it, extremely proud that I came to these places and uh, he would introduce me to Colonel Grant, who was the local landowner, who was very keen on wildlife, um, long departed. But, you know, they're part of that fabric. Yeah. Can you see the old branch root? I've discovered I've got holes in both of my wellies. Have you? In this bog. <laughs> I haven't come equipped. We're standing right under a saw. This doesn't feel a very good idea. So they've just hauled this wire platform onto the, onto yeah, the cut-off branch. Yeah, these are special osprey nest platforms I had made out of steel and wire grid. And so what they do next is they've got to coach bolt them into the old wood on these stays that come down. And it's just a hoop of steel, about, what, about four yeah. foot across? It's a metre across. And then they'll pass sticks on the top, and the first sticks you tie into the base and poke them in. And then we'll take a load of the sticks off the old nest and put them in there and build a real nest. That one to your right probably should come down, shouldn't it? I love this building osprey nests and collecting firewood at the same time. <laughs> you never miss anything. <laughs> but this is tough enough to hold this nest for the next oh, yeah. few decades. This is, this is like iron. This is like iron. You just hope there's enough in the ground so the roots are also iron. 
So what's this, making the tree the right shape for the birds? Yeah, we don't want anything higher than the nest really, except that one superb perch. That's just made itself, that perch, yeah, isn't it? Lovely horizontal perfect. branch. It's really good. That's exciting, isn't it, to think of this being used. I know Roy's banned me from saying this in case they don't come back. <laughs> but I'm, I'm staying positive. Yeah, you always have that kind of really nice feeling when you come away from this thinking, we've just done something and the birds are going to use it. Yes. I'm sure they will. It's a really nice sight. Um, and that's looking pretty good now. That perch is great. Is We'll get some sticks off the old nest. Get the, There's loads of sticks there, yeah. yeah. And we and can I, use some of the moss and the lining of the nest yeah. and put that back on top of the new one. And um, there's some nice bits there which are really... Um, knobbly which you can shove down through the grill yes yeah and yeah. this really old dead sticks like that they're excellent for building nests yeah. they just bind to each other really well and do you want it to look as if there's been an osprey in it the year before is yeah, that the idea absolutely. yeah absolutely that's the idea so using the old stuff is bogus. use the old stuff yeah you can even blob little bits of white paint so it looks like droppings around You've the nest just trick. to tent them in we've got all the tricks your sleeve. <laughs> so we'll get this one down then right now yeah Right, we put bets on the chances of this coming out. <laughs> and how much would that nest weigh if it comes down on us as well? I don't know, if it's full of moss and earth, like this, <laughs> oh, oh, the whole tree's getting a wobble on. Wow. Oh my god, it's nearly there. Oh, <laughs> oh it's all disintegrating, I thought it would come down as a runner. Oh. All the earth and soil flying away. And the tree is still there, which is great. Yeah. So from all this, you're going to build a new one? Yeah. Oh, rope's still good, isn't it? That'll be in our garage for the next 10 years, in case it comes in handy. So would these be the branches you put in, or the ones that Osprey's gathered? They're very big. These ones are our ones, yeah. those ones are the Osprey's. An Osprey ones. could carry that. That's big. not twigs, that's branches. Yeah. That's on the, on the limit for an Osprey. So it's, what's that, about three foot long? Yeah. And that would have been in a dead tree, and then they dive down great speed, grab it with their feet, and it breaks, huh. and then fly to the nest with it. Incredible. And then you make a base and fill it with moss. Fill it with moss, and then with loads of the stuff that they, you know, kind of, it's nearly like peat mould. It's uh, hauling another bundle up to Ian, he's up the tree. The first, the first kind of layer is important because those ones, he's um, cable tying into the frame, and then they're all knobbly. Then, and when you're building these nests, you must build them with these knobbly sticks, so they kind of join together. See, whereas if you use live sticks, they won't stick together. And you just found this out by trial and error? Or did someone teach you? No, looking at the nest and then thinking, well, we know how they build the nest, so we'll build them the same. So a few hours work, it's all done. Really, really good. And if they've survived the winter, I'm sure they'll go back on there. I think brilliant job, guys. There's such a cracking spot for a nest, that tree there. Looking over to the Larragru and the Cairngorms and seeing the tree line in the snow, it's fantastic.
If I was a bird, I would live on that nest. <laughs> Good job, Ian. Hi, thanks for it. Yeah, it was, like you said, the backdrop is just stunning and the tree itself is like a piece of art. And we've trimmed it and the nest is sort of sitting quite proud on the top with the perch to the right. The backdrop's amazing and I'm, I'm absolutely certain those birds are going to come straight back onto that nest. It was an easy job to build it really, it really was a pleasure. Yeah. So the big question is, Roy, did the birds come back? Have they come back to that nest? Yeah, the person that watches it emailed me on the 3rd of April and said the bird came back, the male, uh, perched on the old nest and looked around, saw the new nest and went straight down on it. Good, it worked. It worked. And so he is waiting for a partner? Yes, I've just checked and the other bird hasn't arrived yet um, and that's pretty normal. That's not usually an early pair so they should be there within the next week. And we'll be keeping up to date from our home here in the Highlands of Scotland and seeing where this year's field season takes us. The music is Realness by Kai Engel, downloadable from the Free Music Archive, and you'll find 12 podcasts from last year's field season on our website, www.roydennis.org.